Welcome along, I'm Alan Williams and this is the Alan Williams Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode number 98 of the podcast. The big one is getting closer, two to go until episode 100. The big one is getting close. It's been a productive morning, folks. I've been up early, flat out, working on my book, doing conference calls, doing all sorts of stuff. It's been a busy old one. But the good news is the book has reached the acknowledgement section, which means it is almost done. I love when you hit that acknowledgement section because you know once you get there, you're on the home stretch. You're coming around that final bend and you're seeing the finish line. The relief, the joy. I don't know how else to describe it. It's actually, it's not even joy. It's relief. It is pure relief because that book has been a good two and a half years in the making at this stage. It was meant to go out last October. COVID put a halt to that. So it's been dragged on. And you know yourself, you kind of think it's done. And then you see little bits and pieces that could be improved. And a book is never done. Let me tell you that. If you've never done a book before, it's never done. The longer it's on your hands, the more you'll change, the more you'll adapt, the more you'll tweak. So I'm kind of glad that it's soon just going to be handed over (laughs) and then I can't make any more changes sometimes I think you're better off just handing it over put it out there if you forgot something you forgot something but it'll give you a little bit of peace of mind just to get rid of it so that's kind of where I'm at acknowledgement section done I just posted the acknowledgement section there not the acknowledgement section I just put a little screenshot on Instagram stories that I was doing the acknowledgements and sure enough my old DMs are flooded with people asking for an acknowledgement I'll fit as many of you in as I can but uh no don't don't DM me you're not getting in the acknowledgements don't DM me and so that's where we're at with the book I've been doing a lot of work with my business. I've been working with my coaches. Just it's been it's been a busy time. It's been a really busy time, but it's enjoyable. I like being busy and I like striving for more. I like appreciate what I have, but I do like striving for more as well. Today, anyway, on the podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about food. And I think I have chose the worst day to talk about food because I'm a little bit hungry right now as I'm recording this. So if I don't make it to the end, I apologize. I'll do my best. We will speak a little bit briefly about food. So the first thing I want to say to you around food is whole foods wherever you can. I've been on a conference call, not a conference call, a consultation call with somebody who is potentially coming on board as a client. And this is something I see with a lot of people, but her diet is still very, very heavily based around processed foods and sugar. They're typically the main two, just heavily processed foods and refined sugars. At some point, guys, we've got to break that cycle because it's not serving us. All it's doing is making us lethargic, making us unhealthy, making us feel bad, bringing our energy levels down. And you can even just kind of look not that healthy. Your skin doesn't look good, your hair, your nails, everything tends to suffer. So... The one thing I would say to you, if you do nothing else, just change to about 80% whole foods and that will have an enormous effect on how you feel and on your body composition. So as a general rule of thumb, if it can sit on the shelf for years, it probably will also sit on your hips and on your stomach for years. So if you're finding that you're badly out of shape, look at what's in your cupboards. And if the cupboards are full and the fridge is bare, I would say it should probably be vice versa. We want foods that can go off and they can go off pretty quickly. They tend to be much, much healthier. They tend to be lower in calories. The heavily processed stuff, that's when the calorie count tends to get pushed up. So that's your starting point. Change as much as possible over the whole foods. Not your whole diet. Your whole diet won't be absolutely perfect. For most people, it won't be anyway. There'll be a little bit of leeway there. There will be times where you have foods that are not the healthiest. That's just part of life. That's okay. That's not a problem. But for the most part, I would say shoot for kind of 75, 80% whole foods wherever you can. If you find that you are overweight... My next message to you will be that happened bit by bit. It didn't happen overnight and therefore you're not going to reverse it overnight either. So you probably just need to make peace with that. I think people get in such a rush. 
just to, I have to change this. I feel crap. I don't like what I see in the mirror. My relationship with my body is not good. People are just feeling like they have no confidence. They change their outfit four times before they go out. When they do go out, they don't want to be in photographs. It often happens even that people get to a point where they start to pull back from social events because they don't like how they look or they don't feel confident in themselves or in their body. And what can happen is they become quite isolated over time. It can even cause friction with people close to you. And that is not a nice life to live. But when people hit that point, there's kind of this desperation where something has to change and it has to change now and I need to get rid of all this weight because that penny has dropped and it's just clicked that I can't do can't keep doing this and I absolutely hate where my body's at at the moment and I hate how I'm feeling. So there's this desperation to just change it immediately. But this brings me back to the point that I gave you there that weight went on bit by bit. It wasn't a case where it just happened overnight. Maybe it just happened overnight where the penny dropped and you realised, Jesus, I'm at this point. That might have happened overnight. But the weight going on didn't happen overnight. It was creeping on bit by bit by bit. You may not have even noticed it until it got to a certain point. But it didn't happen overnight. And that's why you need to make peace with the fact that you're also not going to get rid of it overnight. It's going to be a long process. When clients come on board with me, the first thing we look at is changing habits and changing behaviors it's not even about calories it's not even particularly about food or training they're the nuts and bolts of course but the bigger thing for me is changing our relationship with food changing our relationship with alcohol changing our relationship with exercise it's about creating habits and a way of life and what you're going to find is if you've been ingrained in a certain set of habits over 20 years over 30 years you're not going to flick a switch and just be perfect you can do it temporarily and people do it temporarily all the time they do it for two weeks and then they go backwards. The reason most people go backwards is because they don't work on themselves and they don't work on their mind. So if we want to create lasting change, we've got to change the way we think. We've got to hardwire a new set of habits and a new set of behaviours and a new set of thought processes. And you're never too old to do that. You can always change the way you think. But it is hard and it is going to be taking time and it is going to be a long journey. It's not going to be a two-week journey. And even with clients I work with, the minimum I work with anybody is 12 weeks, three months. But most people I work with way beyond that. Because even then, three months in, you're still only at the tip of the iceberg. You are putting habits in place and you are getting routines in place. But it's still very new to you. So three months is not going to overhaul 20 years. Even with the COVID pandemic situation, I've been asked a lot about... Am I looking forward to getting back to public speaking? And I actually am. I cannot wait to get in front of live audiences again. But what people often follow up with and their next question is, well, do you think people will actually go back into rooms though? And they're kind of inferring, I guess, that they don't think people will. That people have become so used to being isolated, so used to being at home, so used to being distant from other people that they might find it difficult to do that. I don't really believe that will be the case. I think it might be temporarily but I think in the long run, people will be happy to get back into rooms and they will go back to it because it has been so ingrained for all of their lives that again, a year, 18 months, whatever it's been, it's not going to overhaul 40 years of what some people have been doing, of what they've been used to. So they will slip back into those habits again pretty easily. There will be a bit of trepidation at the start for a month or two. Yeah, probably. But I think when people get more accustomed to it, they'll probably be glad to fall back into it. And that's effectively what happens with people around weight loss as well. If it's only more short term, they will do it temporarily, but they'll be very comfortable to go back to old habits when that time comes. So that's why I say you need to look long term rather than just thinking about all of this weight has to go now and it's panic mode. 
If you do that, you can do it temporarily for sure. There's no question about that. But temporary behaviors bring temporary results. So if you do that, do that short term, you will get results short term. But what you got to start thinking about is long term. You need to start thinking about forever. You need to start thinking in the context of your whole life. Hard as that is for a lot of people, that's how you need to start thinking. And you need to be okay with working with the coach for three months, six months, 12 months, five years. It doesn't matter. Whatever amount of time it takes, that's what it takes. Whatever amount of time it takes is what it takes. And that's going to be different for different people. But this is why the quick fix does not work. This is why so many people start and stop and start and stop. And they circle success, but they're still never any further on because they keep looking for the quick fix. They'll keep trying to do it themselves or they'll keep trying to go to weight management groups or whatever they've done for 10 years on and off that they know hasn't actually changed anything. And I'm not shitting on any group here or any people. I'm just bringing an awareness to if you keep doing the same thing, you're going to keep getting the same results. So if you're the person that's going, I need to lose weight, but you're only willing to do the work until the weight is gone. Well, when when the weight's gone, what's going to happen is you're going to switch off. And when you switch off, old habits are going to creep back in. And when old habits are going to creep back in, then of course you're going to put on weight again. Of course you're going to put on weight again. So we've got to start thinking about the long term and we've got to start thinking about changing the way we think. Not just I want to lose weight, but I want to change my life. I want to change my lifestyle. I want to create a life that I love. I want to create a way of life that I enjoy and that I can do forever. And that goes way beyond I want to lose this weight straight away. So that's a little mindset shift. So it didn't go on overnight. It won't come off overnight. You got to change the way you think about this thing. You got to be willing to commit to the long term, to doing the work, but also to enjoying the process. That's why I think training is such a big part of that because so many people just focus on the weighing scales and on the numbers and that is utterly miserable. If you're only going to weight management group, stepping on a scale, it's once a week, everything is based on food and it's based on the numbers on the scales. To me, that gets miserable pretty quick and I think that's why people get fed up pretty quick and that's why they go back to old habits. Whereas if there is an element of training in there, I think that's where it gets really enjoyable because that's where you can see I'm fitter, I'm stronger, I'm leaner. I can do things that I couldn't do before. There's an endorphin rush, that feel good factor. You look back and you go, Jesus, look what I can do now that I couldn't do six months ago. That's where the real fun element comes in. And that's when you start to create a way of life because it has to be fun. If it's not fun, there won't be a way of life. You've got to enjoy the process. You have to see the reward is in the process. It's not in the end result. The end result is just a moment in time. The real enjoyment comes from the journey and from the process. That's where you get the thrill. So if there's no element of training or there's no exercise involved and you're not having those feel-good endorphins, then is it really going to last? Is it really going to be a way of life? For me, probably not. So I'm just giving you some food for thought here. Hopefully something is landing. And then you got to ask yourself, if you're overweight, well, why are you over overweight? Well, the answer logically is that you're overeating. You're eating too much given your level of activity. So you might be very active and overweight. That just means you're eating too much food. You might be not active at all and overweight. Again, you're eating too much food given your level of activity. So we're looking for that balance. We're looking for that trade-off. And then my question to you is, if you're overeating, well, why are you overeating? And you've got to get really honest with yourself in answering that question as well. Why are you overeating? Difficult question to answer. Because people don't stop to consider it. Oh yeah, I just eat too much. Oh yeah, I probably do eat too much junk food. 
And again, a lot of people within the industry, even, I guess, personal trainers or coaches, a lot of their solutions is, yeah, we'll just eat less chocolate and put fruit in instead. I guess for me, I probably think a little bit deeper than that at times. And I maybe I even overthink at times. But I would look more at what are the triggers, for example? What is actually causing you to overeat? Why do you do that behavior? Because if you can go to the root of the problem, then you can create a solution for that problem. And really, I think if you're just saying, well, replace chocolate with fruit, you're kind of just, I guess, it's like looking at the symptom rather than the actual cause. That's the best way I can describe it. I hope that is making some sense. I don't know if I'm coming across incoherent here, but I hope that is making some sense. So you can say, okay, yeah, I could cut down a chocolate and replace it with fruit. And, and like that is the logical thing to do, of course. But that's what I would say, if you don't go to the root of the problem, that might be just giving you a temporary behavior. Whereas if we go to the root of it, we can look at actually changing forever because we can say, well, why do I overeat on chocolate? Why do I binge eat? Why do I do all of these behaviors? What's the trigger for the behavior? If you can figure out the trigger, then we can put new patterns in place because at some point there has to be a pattern interrupt. That's what's got to happen for a lot of you guys listening to this. There has to be a pattern interrupt because the same pattern is repeating over and over and over and over. And has been for many years. So we've got to produce a pattern interrupt at some point. And I would suggest the way to do that is by working on yourself. And it's by working on your mind. And it's by getting really honest with yourself and asking the hard questions. And don't shirk the answers. Face up to them and be honest with yourself. So when I say what's the trigger for your overeating? A lot of people will just say I just overeat in the evening. That's my problem time. But is it? Or is it a case of you eat to make yourself feel better? Okay, so why do you eat to make yourself feel better? Why are you not happy? Well, is it a case that you hate your job? Is it a case that you're constantly having arguments with your partner because you don't sit down and discuss the difficult things? Whereas if you had a more open relationship and discussed these things, maybe the comfort eating wouldn't be happening as much. I'm only giving examples here, guys, by the way. I'm not saying your partner is the cause of all your problems. I'm only throwing out a few examples. Because again, I do hear people that will say things like, you know, the, the Friday night wine. I deserve it. I've had a tough week. It's been a challenge now week at work. Therefore, wine is Friday nights. I have wine because I deserve it. That to me, a lot of the time it's escapism. I think it's trying to get away from something. It's getting away from something that you're uncomfortable with or it's getting away from something that you're unhappy with. It's escaping away to a different world where wine makes you feel happy temporarily. So if you're constantly doing the wine thing, and of course everybody is going to have their odd glass of wine or whatever and enjoy it. I have no issue with that at all. I just think if it's sabotaging you and if you're overweight and you know that this stuff is holding you back, you probably got to ask questions around why you actually do it. Is there something that's making you unhappy? Is your life so miserable that you have to be opening bottles of wine a couple of times a week? Is there something there that's triggering that? I think that's worth actually just delving into, getting your pen and paper out and asking a few difficult questions. It can be very confronting and it can be uncomfortable. But if we're talking about long-term change, these are the type of questions we have to be asking. Why do I do these behaviours? What's at the root of it? Because it's very easy to just kind of write it off, go, Asher is just Friday night wine, everybody does it. Or Asher is just binge eating at weekends, everybody does it. I'm not concerned about what everybody does. I'm concerned about what you do. And why you do it. So when I work with my clients, they're the people I genuinely care about. And even though I ask them hard questions, I think they do understand that it's for their own good. It's because I'm actually trying to help them and because I care. So we'll have these conversations and they can be difficult conversations at times, but we'll have these conversations because it moves people forward. 
Burying the head in the sand is not an option. Burying the head in the sand is what has led you to this point. It's led you to the point where you're going, I'm overweight, I'm unhealthy, I'm unhappy. Burying the head in the sand is usually what leads people to that point. So we've got to start confronting these things. We've got to start facing these issues. We've got to start being honest with ourselves. That's what it comes back to, isn't it? It's just being honest with ourselves, asking a few hard questions. Another reason I think sometimes that people overeat is maybe just a sense of control. That can be an issue of, at times if you feel like your life is out of control or there's a lot going on in your life that you've been pulled in all directions or you don't feel like you have much control in other areas. People sometimes use food in that manner as well. It's a sense of control. And one thing, again, I'm no expert in eating disorders by any means, but I heard somebody speaking on a podcast about this recently who was an expert and I thought it was a really interesting point. He said, a lot of the time with teenagers and their issues around overeating or eating disorders, it's often a case of that that's the one area of their life that they feel they've got control over. So it could potentially be a control issue as much as anything else. Now, I'm not saying that's the case for all situations, of course not. But I thought it was a really interesting concept. That maybe it's a case of control. That that's where you're going, okay, there's other areas of my life that are way off the rails or that are out of my control that I have no say over or that I feel like I've been pulled in all directions. But this is the one area that I can control what I put in my mouth. So maybe there is an element of that. So coming back to answering the hard questions again, why do you overeat? If it's a case that you're out of shape, if it's a case that you're overweight, why do you actually do the behaviours that you do? It's definitely something that's worth considering. As you embark on your journey, be it weight loss, be it getting in better shape, reducing your body fat, becoming more flexible, whatever it is that you try to do, you're going to have to make little deals with yourself along the way. Whatever your fitness journey involves, there will be little deals having to be made with yourself. So even on a daily basis, you're going to be talking about one more hill, one more day, one more rep. Make little deals with yourself around food. I'm not going to do those behaviours every day, but I'm going to have little treats now and again. So instead of doing it every single day, twice a week I'll have my bar of chocolate. Making little deals with yourself is something that you're going to become good at. It's certainly something you're going to have to become good at, let's just say, if you're again talking about long-term progress. You're going to have to start just bartering with yourself a little bit. That one more hill is what's going to bring the end result for you, rather than giving up just because it's getting difficult. That one more rep, when the weight is heavy, can I squeeze out one more? Because it's not even about that one rep. It's about what it does for your mind. It builds resilience and it builds discipline. That's how you build discipline. When you start making your little deals with yourself and you make yourself go that extra mile. So when you go, okay, I set out to do a 10k today. I'm at 9k and I'm feeling like I'm done and I could just give up because the car is actually just over there. But you say, no, do you know what? I set out to do a 10k, so I'm not stopping until I do a 10k. Even if I crawl the last half a k, I'm doing it. So when you get into that frame of mind, you're building discipline. When you build discipline, you can handle anything in life. Because this filters over into all areas of your life. Fitness is a great metaphor for life. Fitness, to me, is a great way to build foundations for your whole life. And I really do fundamentally believe, if I ever have children, I don't know if I will or if I won't, but if I ever do... I will definitely have them involved in sport. I think it is the best learning curve. It's learning how to engage with people. It's learning a lot about yourself. It's learning about fighting for your teammates. It's learning about coming back from setbacks. It is the best thing anybody can ever do for their kids, I think, is getting them involved in some form of sport. So that's where I speak about building discipline. For me, 
this has been ingrained in me from a very very young age because I've been involved in sport all my life so you could say it comes naturally to me but I would say it only comes naturally to me now because it's been repeated over and over and over since I was probably about four years old so it's very easy for me at this stage and this is why I find when setbacks come up in life or in business I can handle them quite well and again, I've done a lot of work on myself in more recent years as well. So the mindset is good. So the discipline was always there, but now the mindset is a lot better too. So I can handle challenges and respond in the right way without getting overwhelmed or without going to, I guess, responses that cause me to be irrational or anything like that. So what I've got is a combination of discipline and a combination of a good mindset. But this is why I feel you need to train yourself if you're not in that place and if you haven't been brought up with a training background, which I know a lot of our listeners won't have been. It can be developed. It's just going to take a bit of work on your part. So you have to stop giving in when things get difficult. You have to start making little deals with yourself instead. There you go. Okay, one more hill. If you do one more hill, you're done. Okay, so you make those little deals with yourself. Or you go one more kilometre. If you do one more kilometre for me, that's it. You can finish and you can relax for the evening. Or you say, okay, you're not having a whole weekend of shit food. But you can have a couple of treats during the week and you set out those days for them maybe and you go, okay, I'm going to give myself that little treat there, and that little treat there. So you're making little deals all the time. You're not totally depriving yourself of anything. You're making little deals to challenge yourself, to push yourself a little bit further, to get a little bit more out of yourself, but above all, to build resilience and to build discipline. So making little deals with yourself is something I believe that is important and it's something I believe that you're going to have to get pretty good at to ultimately get to where you want to be. But this is why the journey becomes enjoyable as well, guys. It might sound like that's not very appealing when you go, oh, one more hill, one more rep, blah, blah, blah. But honestly, that's where the real thrill comes from. It's when you actually overcome that one more hill. It's when you get to the top of that hill and you look back, you're looking at the bottom of the hill and you're going, yes, I beat you. I beat you. That's how you're looking at. That's the thrill. It's the accomplishment. That's when the journey becomes enjoyable. That's really when you want more. Because you start to think in those terms of, I did that. That was a challenge, but I did it. So what else can I do? And then you look for the next challenge and you want more. And that is incredibly fulfilling. And that is fun. That is fun. It doesn't sound like it now, but I promise you, get out there and put this stuff into practice and you'll see what I'm talking about. That's where the real sense of accomplishment comes from. It's not from being a pound down on the scales. That's where the accomplishment comes from. And when you enjoy the journey and you enjoy the process, the results will follow on anyway in terms of body composition. If all of your energy is focused on the daily behaviours that need to happen, on doing that one more hill, on doing that one more rep, on putting all of your energy and your effort into that, the weighing scales will follow on. So that's why I say focus on the journey and enjoy the journey rather than just getting fixated on the end result or getting emotional about a weighing scales. That's what's leading you to self-sabotage. That emotional highs and lows is it up is it down i would say who cares i would say put your energy into the journey then you can check your weight and your measurements and all to make sure that you're on track but it's just collecting data it's not being emotional about it be emotional about the process and the journey when you're feeling like that last hill i can't do it that's when you can be emotional because that's when you say i'm doing it I'm going to dig deep here. I'm going to dig into my reserves. And when you get to the top of that hill, you can punch the ear and let out a big roar and be emotional as you want because you've achieved it and you've accomplished something. So make little deals with yourself and challenge yourself. I think another thing that you're going to need is accountability. Accountability is massive. and It's something a lot of people lack. Trying to do things on their own doesn't really work. 
Accountability is important for any area that you want to progress in, be it your career, be it your job, whatever it is. You, you got to have somebody answering the, asking the questions. You've got to have somebody to be answerable to. How is that going? How did that go? Was that good? Was that not good? What do we need to work on? What's going well? What do we need to improve on? There has to be a level of accountability. And you can think about different ways to create accountability for yourself. But one of the best ways that I've discovered is to actually create public accountability. And this is what I use social media for. And I use social media quite well in this regard, I think, for holding myself accountable. So just to give you an example, I'm currently writing my second book. The first time I decided to write a book, I knew nothing about writing a book. Literally nothing. I didn't even know anybody that wrote a book. Well, maybe I did, but I didn't know them that well. I didn't know anybody personally. I don't think I had to go and look for people at the time. But when I decided I was going to write a book, without knowing anything about it, I went onto my Facebook page. And before I could talk myself out of it, I just put up a post saying, I'm going to write my first book. And then you're held accountable because you know yourself, you put something like that on Facebook, it gets a ton of engagement. And that means there's no backing out. So I decided I was going to write a book. And within the space of probably, I'd say, half an hour, I'd posted it on social media so there was no backing out. I didn't give myself a day to think about it because if I did that, I would have bailed out. I would have talked myself out of it. But once I'd posted it to social media, I was in because there was a few thousand people had followed and seen that. So there's no going back, so I had to do it. And when you put yourself in that position and you're put to the pen of your collar, you'll find a way. I literally knew nothing about writing a book. I only knew that I wanted to write a book. I knew it was a huge goal. I knew it was a mountain to climb. I felt overwhelmed. But I also go by the theory that just decide what you're going to do and you'll figure it out later. You'll figure out how. Once you make a decision to do it, you'll figure out how. Sometimes just getting that decision made at the start is the hardest bit. And then telling people and making it public so that there's no going back. You figure out the how along the way. You figure out that, okay, I might need to go and speak to some other authors. I need to find out how this whole thing even works. I hadn't a clue. I knew nothing about it. But you figure it out as you go. So you'll be the same with your weight loss journey. You just need to make a decision on it first. Reach out to somebody to help you. Reach out to me, I'll help you. But make a decision on it first. That's the start point. Create some accountability in your life. The thing about public accountability means that it's also public failure if you don't do it. That was what I was conscious of and that was why I made myself accountable publicly. Because if I didn't do it, it's public failure. Everybody has seen that I didn't follow through. So that was why I made it public when I decided I was going to write a book. Because it's such a big goal that if I just kept it to myself, it probably wouldn't have got done. Probably would have just been scary and overwhelming and it's easier not to do it. But when you put yourself up there for public, public examination and public failure, there is no backing out. So that was why I did that. So you can create public accountability if you want. Maybe you don't want to do that. But do think about how you can create some accountability in your life. And I think that's where a coach can be very, very useful. Even with some of the people I've worked with now more long term, there's some people I've worked with for probably 12, 18 months. For a lot of them, they're really paying for accountability as much as anything else. It's not necessarily about the nuts and bolts of food plans or training programs or anything like that. It's about accountability. Because that's what they need. And that's what most people need. And if you're getting accountability, it's probably the best investment you can ever make anyway, to be honest. Because that's going to massively accelerate your results. And it's also going to help you to create a lifestyle around it. Okie doke. So, what else did I want to touch on? Yeah, just before we finish up. I'm, I'm going to just finish up because I need to get some food in myself. I'm starving here, guys. Me talking about food and I'm starving. I don't know why I chose to do this today. Put myself through pain. The last thing I'm going to say to you is just to remind you, I guess, that you are in charge of your food. 
whatever goes into your body has been put into your body by you. Let me repeat that. Whatever you put into your body has been put into your body by you. Nobody else was responsible for taking the fork, taking a big chunk of cake and putting it into your mouth. The only person who did that was you. So we need to accept that first and foremost. And that can again be a little bit confronting, but it's also empowering because now you realize that that's actually true. So therefore, the only person that is stopping me from making progress is me. Because it's my behaviors that are sabotaging me. It's me that put the cake in my mouth. It's me that put the pizza in my mouth. It's me that had 3.99s during that Wednesday when it was in the middle of a heat wave. You know, it's me that did all those things. That's what you got to make peace with. The only person who puts that food in your mouth is you. So if you're overeating, you got to start calling yourself on that. And you got to bring awareness to that. But it also means that you have the power to change that. Because it's entirely in your hands. So you are in charge of your food. You are in charge of your nutrition. You are then also in charge of your outcomes and your goals and your life. It's entirely in your hands. You have the power to change everything. Let's leave it on that note. I'm going to be back on Friday, hopefully, with another podcast. We're going to try and get two a week out. Probably chose the wrong week to start doing this because, again, things are quite busy. And I had all great intentions for two podcasts this week. And then I got booked in to do a conference on Friday morning, typically enough. But I'm hoping to get a quick episode out anyway after that, if I can. So, until then, I'll leave you and love you. And I hope you found something helpful in that podcast. Go and be amazing. Have a good week. Speak soon.